Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. Hi, this is Andrea Schwartz, along with Nancy Wilk, for a new series in our Homeschooling Helps called Preparing for Life. Today is March 19th, 2019. But before we get into the body of our discussion today, I'd like Nancy to do a little bit of an update of what she was busy doing in the interim where we took a break from our live on Facebook. So Nancy, what occupied your time? Well, um, one of the things that I got to do that was really, really exciting for me is I got to be a guest panelist on a um, the Home Educators Association of Virginia. They had a leader life conference and I got to be I was asked to be one of the panelists. And um, so we were talking about how to combine the more traditional homeschooler and the more the newer homeschooler. And, and what does that mean? So. So sometimes we have the idea that traditional homeschool is just stacks of books or old timers that have really done this for for really um, issues of, of um, religious conviction and conscience as op- opposed to the the new homeschoolers that have, uh, you know, are just coming out of public school. They they just know that, you know, they got to do something different. And then also the more casual homeschooler who may be, you know, like in like some of those unschoolers or, you know, folks that don't really seem to have a uh, rhyme or reason for, for what they're doing. And, and how do you mesh those two? And so what we were able to bring to that conversation is that our our priority here is to be making disciples of Christ, is to be training our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that is what, you know, that's what I've been doing. But I also think that is where we need to to think from in terms of preparing our children for life. And are we even, have we even ourselves been prepared for life? One of the things that I am not bashful about is kicking tires, you know, like if it's true, it's okay to kick it. It'll still be there, you know? So I'm always encouraging folks to examine those things that we say we believe and, um, and, and let the word of God and the spirit of God prove that true in our lives. So that's what I've been doing. Good. good. (laughs) I'm excited about this, uh, this series. Let's, let's do it. Yeah, I was busy preparing and being part of a wedding. My daughter got married, and so I just took the time off. So you kept yours very much focused on homeschooling, and I'm appreciative of that. So what brought on this idea of preparing for life and and the whole idea of is homeschool, is Christian education in the context of homeschool something that will indeed prepare people for life? Well, what came to mind for me is if you've been watching the news at all, there's a big scandal that didn't just start, apparently, but became revealed that there were parents paying 
a lot of money to get their children accepted into elite schools. And that would be the Ivy League schools, the ones that cost a whole lot of money, and there's a whole lot of prestige. And there's an alumni association that then helps people with future endeavors. So if you say you um, graduated from Podunk College somewhere in the Midwest, nobody's terribly impressed. But if you say you graduated from Yale or Princeton or Harvard, um, then, oh, wow, you know, you must really be something. Well, the scandal was that people were without the academic qualifications were, um, how should I put it? They, their parents were obviously aware of the fact that they didn't pass muster to get into certain schools. So they paid someone to help falsify their children's lives. And so their children got into these schools, schools that people work really hard at getting high academic test scores, et cetera, work really hard on their athletics to be considered, and they were frauds. So the kids were frauds, the parents were frauds, but in actual fact, the university system as we currently have it is very fraudulent because they don't prepare people for life. Education is supposed to prepare people to be useful by the time they're no longer children. And um, so if you get in fraudulently or if the only focus on what is acceptable is high academic scores, then you have this skewed view. So maybe just maybe the homeschool student, if you put him on a playing field with those who've gone through state schools or even uh, you know, secular private schools, what's the measuring stick are you going to say is this person prepared for life right. because for too many people they're just prepared for mm -hmm. higher education and more of it that's right a lot of people pay a lot of money for those pieces of paper that hang on the wall that are really just it's really just expensive paper so how do we really demonstrate that we have been prepared that we are prepared for life let me just say, it's an expensive piece of paper, but currently the paper is deemed to have value. Otherwise, people wouldn't spend half a million dollars to get their child into something. So either it's so that other people think they're very smart or they're very accomplished, whatever it is, they consider it worth it. Well, if you make an analogy, our Federal Reserve notes... <laughs> used to be backed up by gold or silver, not anymore. So in truth, we spend a lot of paper that if you look at its intrinsic value, there isn't a lot there. So if we're going to do something different than the humanists, mm -hmm. we've already talked in the past about the need for people to be able to read, to write, to compute, etc. But those don't exist in a vacuum. So if you think about, and, and anybody who's listening, anybody who thinks about the things they have to do day in and day out, do they know where to go, who to talk to if something breaks that they need, whether it's their washing machine or their computer or their freezer has now stopped working and they had just bought that side of beef because they were going to be very economical, what do you do? You don't sit there and recite, you know, the Tudor and Stuart Kings of England. You don't sit there and <laughs> do 
you know, mathematical geometric theorems. What do you do? Right. Well, I mean, you know, some people would say, oh, well, you pray. Well, yeah, sure. But 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 you've got to have an electrician or you've got to have somebody to fix the freezer or you've got to go buy another freezer. I mean, there's there's things that actually have to be there's there's skills that need to be developed. Right. Or let's say let's take a, a moderately big family and mom has to go travel someplace to another part of the country because someone in her family has passed away or is sick. Do the people who remain know how to keep the household functioning? Do you know how to purchase food? Do you know where you should purchase food? Do you have any sense of what's good food or bad food? Yeah. Or if you get bad service. I remember one time we had a floor put in in our kitchen and I didn't think it looked right. And at the end, because there were, um, it was geometrical shapes, it was decidedly crooked. And I mm -hmm. said to the person, this is wrong. And he goes, no, no, that's how it's supposed to be. Well, of course, he was just the person doing it. So my children got to see how mom handles bad service that was paid for, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. I didn't buy, um, you know, insulting the person, calling him names or whatever it is. But how do you effect effectively get what you paid for? See, these are things that most college students don't know how to do. If you look at what happens on most college campuses, they protest things that, quite frankly, they have no understanding of. Right. I saw something recently about um, enabling, you know, enabling one another. And I I think that, you know, if you had said when there was a problem, if you had said, oh, well, that's OK, just, you know, let them keep doing a bad job, then you would have enabled that poor contractor to continue in in poor service. And that is not helping the economics. That's not helping that contractor. It's not teaching your children how to to um, to work with excellence. And so those are, you know, those are some things that we need to to really understand how to do. So that's a great point to uh, to be able to handle those, not just do the good service, but to handle the problems when you don't get it. And you use the term excellence. And that's really the difference, because if you were to sit in on most grammar school classes, high school classes, college classes, excellence isn't what's being promoted along with integrity and loyalty and hard work. What's being promoted is pass the test, get the grade, and you move on. Now, the problem with that is that you don't know how to fix problems in life. So, for example, the person who has never successfully cleaned a bathroom, has never successfully sanitized a bathroom, so you know someone has been sick, now we got to get it back to where it was so we're not passing the germs around, blah, 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 blah. When somebody comes into their home and doesn't do a good job, two things happen. One, they don't necessarily know how to evaluate a good job, but they mm -hmm. become very intolerant of understandable mistakes. There's some things that actually happens, right? That something falls down and something breaks. That same thing could happen to you. So there's that as opposed to poor workmanship or poor working skills or practices and things like that. Mm -hmm. 
Well, mm -hmm. unless we start, first of all, modeling it for our children so that they see that when we are upset about a poor job done, that we don't throw out the Ten Commandments, we don't throw out 1 Corinthians 13 and decide, well, that doesn't apply here. This was just a stupid workman. And so what I'm going to do is tell him what a terrible job he does. And he's just a, a, a poor excuse for her humanity. No, we're not allowed to do that. So I'm going to go and send him on Facebook. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I'll fix him, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. so what especially with larger families it should be communicated as early as possible to the oldest mm -hmm. that it's no accident that you came first god in his sovereignty decided you were number one now biblically speaking the firstborn is supposed to get a double portion and there's a really aside from the fact that god says it there's a really good reason for that the firstborn has totally rookie parents by the time <laughs> you have your seventh child, right. you've got a lot of this already figured out. You're right, you're right, right, you're right, right. But imagine if parents said to the firstborn, it's gonna be your job to teach the younger ones how to do the various jobs. So if your job right now, and we did this in our family, is to go outside and pick up the dog's droppings, do it well, do it so that I don't have to say to you, you're not doing a good job. And then when your brother or sister is older, you teach them how to do it. And you have just successfully turned over that job. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. And so now there's new jobs. So let's say the, the washing machine is like traveling across the laundry room, which happens on occasion. What if your children were trained to go ahead and find me a, a contractor or find me a repair person or whatever it is? This is what I want. Do they know how to go and do it? Do they know where to go? And then do they know how to schedule an appointment? Do they have any idea of your finances to know that if one person says, oh, I'll come out and fix your washing machine. It'll only cost you $2,200. And someone else <laughs> says uh, the service visit is $150 that, well, wow, this guy must do a better job because his is 2000. Do they have any concept of what the family budget even looks like? Right. And what's reasonable to pay for those services. Right. Obviously, you have college students today that don't understand hard work. I mean, last mm -hmm. Friday, I was in Silicon Valley and I guess it was Green Earth Day or Green Day or something around the country. And you had these high school students from very affluent families, because I know where they live, but even if they're, I mean, even if they're not as affluent as the rest of the Stanford professors, because this was right near Stanford University, they still are probably better off, even if they're in the lowest economic class in the United States than most people in the rest of the world. They were sitting there saying, these were the signs, be more concerned about the green earth than the green in your pocket. Now, they were trying to persuade people. So their view of persuading people was to insult them. Mm -hmm. The people whose tax dollars pay for them to go to this school and hear all this nonsense. So do you think these people are prepared to work? No. they're no. Money no. is, right? Money is. Education is. So when they hear free education, 
they don't think that somebody has to pay for it because too many of them probably haven't paid for anything in their life. Right. Right. So they're prepared for socialism as opposed to being prepared for liberty. Mm -hmm. Right. There's a train. Okay. There's a train. So that means that I have to silence here, Nancy here for a bit. And uh, okay, here we go. There we go. I've silenced her. Okay. So let's talk about the real world, the real world that children are growing up in all children is a world in which um, you have lots of worldview collision. So if you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to the father, if you believe that children in the womb deserve not to be murdered, if you think that God ordained men and women, and that's the only two genders that exist, and that you think marriage and family has to do with God's ordination, you are growing up in a very, very hostile situation. Now, if you don't prepare your children for the hostility and prepare yourself as well, that you have a reason that you know why, no matter what anybody else says, if you will get fired, if you don't agree that homosexuality is just as legitimate as covenanted marriage according to the scripture, you better prepare your children for the fact that that could happen. And that in actual fact, if you know history, if you know history, you know that was the issue involved when the early church was persecuted. So if we're going to prepare them for life, we actually have to prepare them for the realities going on so that they understand why people their age will think that you can get everything for free, but they have grown up in a home where they know that they have a budget, they have to follow the budget, and that they just can't waste money because God says you shouldn't do that and that you're supposed to tithe instead of having the government handle all this, what you do is you tithe and you're responsible for your family. You're responsible for the people in your church. See, that's the life that we need to prepare them for. Exactly. There's a whole, we've grown up, a lot of us have grown up in this culture that perpetuates the idea that these precious children, that time is uh, of being a child needs to be protected. It needs to be kept innocent. You know, let them play, let them be entertained. They're going to come into the real world soon enough and then they'll figure out how to do all that kind of stuff. That is that. And, and so we perpetuate the problem if we assume that when God tells us that we do need to be um, preparing our children um, in, 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 in his ways. And one of those is work. We see that in Genesis where God gave Adam work to do. And it was hard. It, and, and the thorns and thistles that we experience now is evidence that, you know, yeah, it's hard and we cannot escape it. This is the real world and God has permitted it this way. And so we deny it. If we deny it, we'll never be able to in, engage in it appropriately. But here's the flip side. It is a fallen world. There are thorns and thistles, but redemption changes things. When we are born again in the spirit, when we submit our lives to Christ, when we follow God's law as the way of our sanctification, then we experience fewer thorns and thistles because the thorns and thistles 
were the result of Adam's rebellion. And so we, like you pointed out, work isn't the enemy. Work is why we, Adam was created to work. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And yes, it was challenging, but prior to the fall, it wasn't corrupted by sin. So no doubt he got tired. No doubt, it, you know, it, the, the, the next time somebody, you know, somebody, some animal knocked over the fence and got into something that he was trying to grow, it was frustrating. And it was then, once Adam understood himself as the dominion man who was in charge of all this, that God gave him someone to help him. And that helper wasn't another guy. It was a woman. Right. The only means by which there could be more helpers. If God had given him another guy, based on how God worked things out, there would have been nobody else. But God gave him a woman. And with that woman, he was able to create um, life, not really create life, but produce life that God creates. So um, in this regard, our education, we've talked about it in our previous series. We have to know the Ten Commandments. We have to know the law of God. And we have to establish firm foundations. And with those two things in place, then we're ready to kind of go outside the box. That's the name of this series, outside the box. In other words, don't make your standard for your children's education what they're doing down the street in the public school. What they're doing down the street in the public school is preparing children to be socialists, relativists, and humanists. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that I I think about when we look at um, uh, preparing for life and and moving moving out of our parents' home. I mean, that's what we want to do. We want to raise our children so that they're ready to move out into the world and preparing them for that. That's that's happening in the home. But that first giant step that they take outside the home is going to be in, um, in, in their own helper, having their own helper in terms of marriage and, and preparing um, that. So, so we think about, you know, preparing little kids, you know, taking their plate to the, uh, you know, doing those practical things, cleaning their, picking their toys up and then, and the bigger kids, you know, calling a repairman or even the bigger kids repairing it themselves. And right. then, and then establishing, um, their own homes and all these things, we have to think about all these things in our preparation for our kids to move to move out into life. We can't do it apart from God's words. But I'm going to call you on something you just said. The goal okay. isn't to move out and leave your family. That's not the goal. Yes, a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. That doesn't mean he disassociates himself from his mother and father. It means that they're no longer the buffer between him and God, that when he establishes his own family, he is under God, right? Mm -hmm. And he's got the covenantal responsibility to deal with it, right? But we want strong families. And part of the way you have strong families is that the families work together. And so if mom can say, or dad can say, look, the fence is broken down in the back, get it fixed, this is your budget, and, and whether you do it or someone else does it, and we want it to be a good job. In other words, we're building this teamwork. 
The problem with doing school the way the rest of the world does school is as though people are being geared that, okay, you're just going to be helping your parents or they're going to be helping you till you're 18 years old and then you go off and do it. There should be this synergy that says there's greater strength when you go off and establish a family because God willing, they're children. And those children now are the very instruments to help take care of the elderly members of the family in some way, shape or form. So instead mm -hmm. of it all being a burden, it's a blessing because they know how they were helped and now they get an opportunity to help. And that's preparing for life because we've shielded children from having to see sickness or living with older folks. And we just shove people into, um, you know, care facilities and we buy the lie that social security will pay for everything. We're basically teaching people to be automatons that the whole basis of society is the individual. Uh-uh. The basis of society is the family. Right. And it's really only in a homeschool setting, although it can happen in a day school setting if they're teaching biblical family as the primary institution, that people don't get seduced into thinking, this is too hard. I'm going to go find another way to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's important to um, to understand and talk about because sometimes we do um, have the idea that that once you reach a certain age or have a husband or, or a wife that, you know, you sort of can, you know, fly the coop and you're, you're, you're done with those, you know, over the, over the hill people. And so that is an important point that, that our, that while the next um, family is adds to that um, foundational institution of, it's not separate, but it, it does build synergy in our community and in in our responsibility to um, to be um, training our children and our children's children. You know the the um, what do you call it? The um, not the traditional family, the trustee family. So right. you're talking about the trustee family concept, which is sure. important to understand. Oh yeah, and it's very different than what we currently what we currently experience by and large, even within the church. Right? Mm -hmm. The goal here is the kingdom of God that we're to seek first, meaning primary, foremost. And part of seeking the kingdom of God is how to be a ethically sound plumber, doctor, um, teacher, mother, um, caregiver, what whatever it's going to be. How could we possibly have people who are living ethically and morally in our Congress, in legislatures around the country who have a difficult time understanding that prenatal life is life and that that's a human being. Right. You see, that means that however educated they are and Congress is no doubt full of people with lots of degrees, where is their morality? Where are their ethics? And are they seeking primarily the kingdom of God? So, as we train children, and I maintain, and you and I have talked about this before, if you're a homeschooling parent, you're training yourself as you're training your children, because in many cases, you did not have that kind of education yourself. Right. You need to be prepared for, they're going to say no. So are your children prepared if they end up on a sports team 
or in a club. And now Johnny wants to be called Juanita, mm -hmm. but they know he's Johnny. Okay. Well, you could say, I'm never gonna let my children do anything because I don't want them exposed to that. All you're doing is putting it off until the child gets older and now he's not prepared. Right. Right. You know? Right. If you believe in sure. sunscreen, people say put on sunscreen so you don't get sunburned. Okay. But if you don't prepare people for the burn that they're going to get when they go out and they espouse the word of God says this, you haven't prepared them for life. You've prepared mm -hmm. them to be punched, to get slapped right. upside the head. And either they, you know, can stand up again and go, wow, that hurt, but I'm going to maintain what's true. Or they're going to say, well, maybe my parents are crazy and because mm -hmm. I don't have an answer for this. And they apparently don't either because they never shared it with me. Right. Well, let's go back to the, um, you know, to that um, leader life conference that we were, um, that we had opportunity to, to, um, to talk to, you know, there are a lot of people, you know, that are experiencing the um, consequences of poor choices in, we say poor choices, you know, we know that it's sin, they're experiencing the consequences of that in the public school system and they're leaving the public school system in droves. So they really don't know these things. We were not taught these in public school. We really do have to, to learn our ourselves um, how to navigate these things. I say ourselves, you and me, you know, there's, there's things we don't know how to navigate yet, but sure. you know, those that are coming uh, behind us, you know, they may, they might be really, really starting from scratch and have to, you know, have to have to rethink everything. And so let um, me just interject this. There's a great analogy to this. OK. Twelve apostles with a number of increasing disciples that we see discussed in the book of Acts and afterwards. How did this small group of people create what we have come to know as Christendom. Do you think the barbarians that came in were any different than the barbarians that come out of our public schools? No, they're, they're just no different, different kinds of barbarians, right? There right. were people yeah. who were not covenanted to the Lord Jesus Christ. So mm -hmm. in, a, in a real sense, what we need to do is prepare to disseminate the actual important message. Jesus right. is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by him. Mm -hmm. He's paid the price for sinners. When that price that he paid is appropriated to do, your debt is cleared, but you've got responsibilities. That's right. It won't all be easy to begin with. You'll have people, and I'm sure you've experienced it in yourself or even in others. They come to faith, and then they're like surprised that, oh, you can't do this. <laughs> really? I thought you could. You know, there are a lot of people who say, well, we're committed to each other, but we're not exactly married. And what's wrong with having kids before you're married? Okay. Instead of saying, get out of here, you're, you're, you're hopeless. No, you realize these people came out of a context. Sure. I've talked sure. to women whose mothers and grandmothers had abortion. So when they got pregnant, mom and grandma weren't surprised. They told them this yeah. is what we did. So there's a mm -hmm. lot of people who have not been blessed to know the truth from the beginning, <clears throat> pardon me, but yeah. our children, if they are being raised in covenant homes, do. And to whom much is given, 
much is required. That's right. That's right. And just in case they say, well, I didn't ask for it. Well, good. I didn't ask for them either. That's what God decided. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you shirk the responsibility, you have shirked it. It's not like you can say, well, I never wanted it. I know the truth. And I would rather I was born in a family that was teaching them lies. You're still going to be held accountable for either taking that talent and burying it or using it contrary. And so you become an enemy of God, but you're never off the hook. That's what we have to teach our children. We're not off the hook and they're not off the hook. That's right. That's right. So as followers of Christ, we teach our children to do that. We, we are prepared to um, receive and disciple others that come across our path. And this, um, these series of programs that we're doing um, is designed for that. You know, it's not just for, for, for me and you to enjoy talking, you know, we do that, but it's to, um, to disciple and equip others in, um, in helping them to, to walk in God's call in their life. So in conclusion for today, let me say this. I entitled the series outside the box. So we're used Mm -hmm. to, you got to think outside the box. You got to act outside the box. Well, there is a box we will never be able to operate outside of, and that's the box of God's creation. However, the box of God's creation has been supplanted in many people's lives by the box of man's creation. So the goal on this series, as we scratch the surface of this, is how to return to doing what we're called to do and really examining it from the point of view of, wait a minute, is what the world says what the word of God says. And interestingly enough, world and word, there's an L in there and that changes everything. So we're either going to listen to the word or we're going to listen to the world. That's right. All right, friend. Well, we're looking forward to this new season. Okay. And thanks everybody for listening. And I saw there were a bunch of comments and conversations going on, but I figured you guys had it under control. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.